Unstoppable Success Radio, Episode 509. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio, the show where we help entrepreneurs, business owners, and CEOs from around the world to skyrocket their sales and multiply their profits. I am your host, Kelly Roach. Now let's get down to business. Welcome back and thanks so much for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am thrilled to have with us here today, Douglas Lynham. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here. Excited to have you. So Doug has a fascinating story. He's been profiled in all sorts of media outlets, the New York Times, Clippingers, CNBC, Entrepreneur, and the list goes on. He brings a super unique perspective to the world of finance. His new and groundbreaking book, From Monk to Money Manager, which we're going to be talking about today, really goes over and explains and shows a former monk's financial guide to becoming a little bit wealthy and that's and why that's okay. And he receives enthusiastic reviews for its wisdom and thought-provoking insights told with humility and humor. He grew up in a wealthy family where money was abundant but weaponized, rebelling against the world of materialism. He joined the Marine Corps and then found a higher calling to become a Benedictine monk for 20 years. That is fascinating. Like I could talk to you about that all day. Uh, when the monastery went bankrupt, he learned the lesson that extreme poverty was as painful as selfish materialism was destructive. So we're talking about some extremes here today, huh, Doug? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Talk about the extremes. He vowed to learn everything he could about the world of finance to help others find a middle way. The result of this exploration is a unique message that combines tried and true money management techniques with uncompromising spiritual ideas common to all the great world religions. I am fascinated just by your history, your story, your focus. I've never had anyone on the show like you before, so I am just uh, thrilled to have you here. Welcome. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's an honor to be here. Congratulations on all your successes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, I just love the fact that you've had all these different like renditions of your career. It's like you've had five lives kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so, so what are some of your like favorite learnings from your different aspects of your journey here? Because you've done things that are so vastly different. Wow. That's a hard question. I would, I would say the biggest takeaway from all of it from being a monk and living in a, under a vow of poverty for 20 years, now being an entrepreneur and a business owner, one of the things that really struck me as, as a profound truth, it's really very simple, but it's the idea that money without compassion is irresponsible and abusive, but compassion without money is just sentimental and feeble. So people, I mean, so many people who have a good hearts and good minds and they're they're, they just shy away from the world of money. They think money is the root of all evil. They think the business world is corrupt and or corrupting. And so they have this very negative attitudes about money and they disempower themselves. They take away their power to actually transform and change the world for the better. So money really is a spiritual sponge that I think absorbs the intentions of the user and we can use it for good in the world or we can do it for great evil. But I think it's really clear that we live in an age of great um, anxiety, chaos in some sense, and there's a lot of big, big challenges facing our world and it's going to take a lot of money to fix them. So we better get our attitudes about money right or else we're never going to be able to have the systemic change and implement those changes that, that need to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always such a 
a polar opposite view of kind of like where you started from or where you are that sometimes you assume if you just had this, it would be that, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. those are like the extremes that you're talking about here. And I love that you point out the poverty versus, you know, the, the, you know, using money in the wrong way. I mean, I came from a family where my parents were extremely spiritual, uh, very devoted Catholics. My dad worked for a Catholic nonprofit my entire life growing up. But unfortunately, we, there were five kids in my family. And so on mm. salary of someone working for a Catholic nonprofit, you can uh, do the math <laughs> really quickly and see how that worked out mm-hmm. for us. Um, and, you know, that definitely was tough, right? So I, I see what you're yeah. saying. It's like I say so many times when people feel guilty about marketing their business, like you, if you want to impact lives and you want to make a true difference and you want to serve people, you have to first mm-hmm. be successful so that you can pull other people up and help others to be successful, right? That's exactly right. It's exactly right. And it also helps me to remember that my business as an entrepreneur is a form of service if you're doing it ethically and correctly, right? You're offering a good, a service, a product, anything out in the world that people want to pay you money for, it should be adding value to the world. And if you're adding value in a healthy and sustainable way, you have nothing to feel guilty about. You're actually making the world a better place through that business. And um, it really can be a form of selfless service when done correctly. Yeah, no, so, so true. And I think it's so important to remember. Can you give us just, I mean, I'm sure this could be the whole interview in and of itself, but can you give us like a, a quick um, snapshot of what life was like as a Benedictine monk for 20 years? Like, <laughs> what was that life? Yeah, I get that question a lot, and I don't have an elevator pitch for it yet. But I would say the best example, the best analogy I could give would be like a marriage, right? A marriage over 20 years has different cycles, different seasons, and different phases. And so it wasn't uniform in terms of my relationship to the community. Um, you know, I would say the first 10 years were fantastic. Uh, it was a really a, a learning and growth opportunity for me. And the last 10 years were, were not so much fun. Um, you know, I really felt like I was, um, the rules, the regulations were very, very helpful for a young person to give me, I grew up in a very chaotic home and that chaos, I think led me to seek out order and real, the, the structure of the monastery was very, very helpful for me early on. And then I think after a while, it became a little bit stifling. And it was this is something I think every entrepreneur is going to face at some point to a different degree and in different uh, format completely. But you realize there's things you have to outgrow. And, and the hardest thing for me, and, I, and I've seen this in many, many, many books on entrepreneurialism, and it struck me as true, is sometimes you have to leave the past behind. Sometimes to make those big changes and to be successful in the way that you think the world is calling you to be successful might require a huge life transition and a life change and and trying to and have to you know make those big decisions and and i had to leave the monastery in order to do what i felt god or the universe was calling me to do and that was uh you know heartbreaking and it was very very difficult but um i'm glad i did it but i don't know if i answered your question exactly i would say again it was a it was a long 20 years period and, and again it had had its ups and downs but um but I did have to make that big change to get to where I am today. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I think it's like you you got it in and you served and you made mm-hmm. a difference how you could, where you could, until you felt like that 
phase was no longer allowing you to serve at the highest level. And it was like, okay, I'm going to need to take a big step in a different direction in order to actually serve the way that I'm being called to. You nailed it. That's exactly right. And isn't it so interesting how sometimes we do exactly what we had intended to do, or we achieve exactly what we intended to achieve. And then once we're there, we're like, oh, that wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But that's life, right? You can't. It is. When you're 20, I joined the monastery when I was 21. And and what do you know at 21? You know, nothing, right? So you, but you got to take your best guess at it and you got to make your best effort. And then that leads to the next step and the next step. And, And as you've, you've talked about in your show, so, so eloquently, you know, you have to fail a lot sometimes to, in order yes. to succeed and you have to take those risks. And um, I'm glad I took the risk. It, it put me where I am. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to make big changes. What are the things that you still live by every day that you learn during that time? Wow. Well, I think one of the big uh, the biggest insight, if I could just give you a hack to spirituality, <laughs> the 30 second guide to 20 years of monastic uh, learning is it's a it's a very simple, almost cliche insight. But once you experience it, I think it's very, very powerful is the understanding of how deeply interconnected everyone and everything is. Mm-hmm. And that if you go deeply into any one subject it doesn't matter what you do. You, you can touch the universal and touch everything. Um, there's a great spiritual teacher by the name of Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a, a Buddhist monk um, living in Paris. He does this brilliant lecture where he'll, he'll hold an apple in his hand, and then he will explain all the interconnectedness that's required to make an apple. So you need the sun, you need the rain, you need the soil, you need the farmers who picked it, and eventually you can connect it to the entire cosmos. And so one of my great insights for me was the realization that if you can do that with an apple, you can do it with money, too. That when you understand how deeply interconnected money is to the entire world and you can bring a spiritual focus or practice to it, you have a a, a powerful tool for transforming the world and making it better for yourself and your family in terms of improving your own financial life, but also that of the world. Yeah, no, I I love that. And you said it was so simple, but it's one of those simple things that we forget and overlook, you know, that everything Mm -hmm. is so interconnected. So then fast forward to today, right? You're you're Mm -hmm. helping people. Let's talk about the book, because I think that will help give a little insight to people to what what things look like now. So, you know, uh, the the from monk to money manager. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, as you summed up well in the beginning, it, it was really about, um, you know, I start off with this very, very unhealthy attitude about money growing up in a wealthy family where, you know, there was a divorce and my parents, good people, but they use their children as bullets in a financial battle of the sexes. And, you know, I would see my dad flying on private planes and traveling the world. And yet um, money was this thing that just seemed to, the more we had of it, the worse our family situation became on a personal level. And so I had to run away from that. And the monastery was a great space for me to achieve that. But then in that poverty, it was like, this was just the worst. This is the other extreme. And it wasn't necessarily better. It just had a different set of problems that go with it. And so really for me, it's been a challenge to bring the highest spiritual ideals to not forsake anything that I learned in the monastery, but how do we update that stuff and bring it into the world of finance so that 
you know, we can become wealthy, we can grow our wealth ethically, um, and then bring the best money management techniques is what the book really, the book really is a financial how-to guide. It's a step-by-step, you know, how do you get out of debt? How do you build wealth? What are the, you know, the, the, the keys and secrets to wealth creation? Um, but also trying to do it in a very healthy and ethical way so you're not creating more problems for yourself and for your family and others uh, in the process. Yeah. But, um, no, that's, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So share with us some of the kind of top principles that are kind of baked into the entire philosophy of how you're teaching money management now or how you're teaching investment now to your clients. Well, it's, you know, we could talk about that for hours. I, if I could give people one takeaway concept, I, I would say the biggest takeaway concept is to understand the difference between a capitalist and a consumer. Now, I'm going to kind of redefine those terms in my own way for a moment. But if, if you know, presumably the people who are listening to your show are, are, are thoroughly in the capitalistic mode and entrepreneurs. But to understand that it's really you can either be someone who buys assets that appreciate as a capitalist or you're stuck in the cycle of being a consumer where you're always buying stuff that depreciates and loses value over time. And if you can try to frame up your decisions financially around those two big buckets, it really does help clarify your thinking about, well, how am I spending this money today? Is this, is this building my wealth? Am I um, building a stronger financial future from, from, from me and my loved ones? Or am I making someone else wealthy by feeding into their capitalistic um, you know, goals, and, which are good? It's not, not a critique of capitalism at all. It's just to understand this is the game we're playing. And how do you? And then the rest of it is sort of the how-to. What are the specifics that allow you to play the game brightly and with enthusiasm, and be able to make it work to your advantage, rather than being pushed around by what can, can often be a very abusive financial system that we live in, that's designed to make other people wealthy and you poor. So you got to flip the game around and, and understand the rules so that you're the one who becomes wealthy and not and not poor. Yeah. How does that happen? What are some of the things that everyday people like us entrepreneurs out here need to know that maybe we're not aware of right now? Well, for so the entrepreneur is probably a couple steps ahead of the average consumer. So they're already trying, they already understand a little bit about how capitalism works. They're already trying to invest in themselves Mm -hmm. and invest in their businesses. And that's by far the best investment you can make. Now, so I can't speak to their specific business, but as a business owner, one of the struggles I have is there's this um, desire to take all of your profits and funnel them back into your business. And that's normal at the startup and that's important at the beginning. But as you grow, you need to be making sure that you're putting some something away for retirement, for example, that you really are building up your, your nest egg and your savings and then diversifying your investments to something beyond just your your business, because if you if all your eggs are, are in one basket, that can be a very very poor long term strategy. Yeah, that's that's so true, and especially because markets change, economies change, whole industries are being created and broken right in in mm-hmm. such a short yeah. amount of time. So it's. Uh, you have to be thinking long term, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's not the way of our culture anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's what's happening today. Um, what's my what's my decision this afternoon? But you're right, you do have to be thinking that way. Diversity is so key. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so you know, I would suggest. Well, there's there's 
it's hard to give general investing advice, but you know, making sure you've got a really you're, you're investing in the entire market beyond just your one business, and that can give you the long term financial stability that you're going to need, um, and that you aren't just using the revenue of your of your one. If it's a one person business, like many of them entrepreneurs are. Um, you know, that can fold it in a heartbeat. So make sure you've got some other backup plans. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that you're really stepping into this thought leadership role now where you are leading the discussion and the conversation and also teaching people how to do ethical and sustainable mm-hmm. investing. So what does mm-hmm. that look like? Well, it takes a couple of different flavors, but I th- the the struggle with environmentally and socially responsible investing is you can't do everything. And I have this conversation with clients who who get upset about one particular social justice issue or the other. And if we try to narrow again, you, you need to be broadly diversified in your investments. So you don't want to screen out the entire market. You really want to be screening out the really bad apples, the ones who are doing really long-term damage to our society, our civilization, and our planet. And so what we focus on primarily, although there are other issues, is climate change. I think we can, we know we have the tools to address climate change. We have the investing tools to help, uh, you know, divest people from those industries that are contributing significantly to climate change, and then um, investing more heavily in those companies that are looking to be the leaders for the next generation in the in the energy industry. So, um, for us, it really looks at um, again climate change, but then you know we're also looking at things like you know weapons of mass destruction, cluster munitions, child labor, slave labor, th- those sort of obvious things that when we screen those out, and then we weight our portfolio more heavily towards what we would call the good guys and gals out there in the world. Not only are we doing better by the world, not only are we protecting the future that we're investing for, we can also get higher expected returns. And that's, the, I think, the most exciting news that I would love to share with your audience is that sustainable investing can be more profitable. And it has been shown, we have the data for the past 20 years that shows us that it has been more profitable over the past few decades. And so it's really, there's, it's a no-brainer. It's not just a feel-good issue anymore. It, it really is a smarter way to invest. Love it. That's that's so fascinating. I'm sure that's that's a deeper that's a deeper issue to go into, but I think it's very thought provoking and I think it's really interesting. And you know, we talk on the show, you know, obviously we in in my organization do a lot of donations to charity water and to organizations that, you know, are making a difference in the world and we try to give back in that way. But I think we all have an opportunity and responsibility as entrepreneurs to give back in whatever way we can. And mm-hmm. One way to do that is by being thoughtful in where you're putting your money, right? It's, it's kind of, you're, you're not even saying you need to give your money away. You're just saying be thoughtful in where you're putting your money for yourself, right? Yeah. And you'll, you'll get better, you can get better returns that way. And, and to think of your dollars as votes. I mean, we vote in a democracy with our bat at the ballot, but we vote in an economy and in particular in a capitalist economy in a free market economy. Our, our dollars really are our strongest votes that we have. And if we can move those in the right direction, we have a powerful, powerful tool for transformation of our, of our civilization. And if we can get on board behind those concepts and make that part of an ethos or an ethic that we're all mindful of, that can really move, move the world. 
That's that's really fascinating. So, so interesting. So talk to me a little bit, Doug, about how people can learn about your philosophy, where to go to get the book, how to learn about how you're helping people do sustainable and ethical investing. Yeah, so you can get, find the book from Monk to Money Manager at uh, bookstores around the country as well as Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. That's probably a great place for a deep dive on my philosophy. And then if anyone, anyone would like to actually invest with us or contact me, they can reach us at longviewasset.com and I'll give you our phone number. It's 505-988-9555. And my email and my personal email, if anyone wants to reach out to me, is doug at douglinum.com. That's D-O-U-G at D-O-U-G-L-Y-N-A-M.com. Awesome. Awesome. Really great insight. Super interesting work that you're doing. Very meaningful and impactful. Really, really excited to get to have connected here today. Any final tips or thoughts that you want to share with our listeners as we wrap up here today, Doug? Yeah, I guess it's just kind of the idea that money really does make the world go round. And so, um, you know, as we mentioned, one of the great insights is that the divine is everywhere and in everyone, and now we have to bring that into our money if we really want to make the world a better place. Oh, so good. So, so good. All right. Well, thank you so much for Doug, uh, for being on this show today. Guys, we'll put all the links so that you can uh, grab the book and check out everything that Doug is doing in the show notes. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Kelly. It was great to be on your show. You as well. And to all of our listeners, until next time, I want to remind you to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Hold on. One more thing before you go. As a valued listener of Unstoppable Success Radio, I want to help you build your business, not just during the times that you're listening to the show, but all day, every day, every week of the year. I have a new Facebook group called The Tribe of Unstoppables, and it's a place for you to come gather with other successful, driven, passionate entrepreneurs creating financial freedom for their families and building a life and legacy of impact and significance. If you want to be a part of the community where you can network, get leads, gain referrals, build your business, and get unbelievable free trainings for myself and my team, go to kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. That's kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. Or you can just pop into Facebook and search Tribe of Unstoppables. Drop me a note and let me know when you join. Can't wait to see you there.